Welcome to Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Where we got new play toys today, folks. I don't know if you're checking this out, but we're excited to, uh, we not only get to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical worldview, but we get to do it on these fun toys, which I'm not going to touch because every time I touch electronic stuff, disaster happens. But I want to thank our wonderful uh, production manager. I don't know what official title we have for Matt. Creative director. What is that? Creative director. Creative director. That sounds really fancy. Very cool. Yeah. He's being creative with this stuff. Yes. Good job. Good job, Matt. Uh, so if you hear great quality today, sound quality, you can give uh, Matt a hug on Sunday. But anyway. Yeah, hey. We're about clarity, right? <laughs> we're, Starting we're talking with about clarity. clarity and the sound. Yes. Yes, no fault. Crystal clear, yes. So, so, uh, as you know, I was gone this week, and I'm not going to make you too jealous. Yeah, it, you avoided the, the 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 ice storm we had. Yeah, I avoided the Sunday. ice, but everybody yeah. think I went south. I was down at a great inner peak church, yeah. uh, Chad Cochran. Uh, uh, pastor down there, a church called Generations Church. Um, Chad, as you know, was one of our NRP uh, missionaries to Thailand. That's how we got kind of connected there and did a great job. And now he's taking the baton from his father, mm -hmm. just like I took the baton from my father and uh, doing an amazing work there. So we got to we got to encourage the, uh, Marin went with me, we got to encourage the serve team with a big banquet they have at the end of the year or beginning of the new year to thank all their servant leaders, kind of like we've done in the past. And then also Sunday was a big uh, faith push for, you know, believing God for 2023. And in between all of that, mm -hmm. now this is where you're going to get jealous. Mm -hmm. In between all of that... You're going to mention food, right? I'm going to mention food. <laughs> the weather was warmer, but it was it was raining and it, it was kind of dreary. Oh, rain. Not some rain. You know, we roughed it. We roughed it. I would have preferred an icy parking lot at home. But anyway, and we had some great Cajun food. You know, Cajuns know how to eat. In fact, yeah. they eat everything. They... They, Brother Rod says they, if they find roadkill, they might even throw that in a pot. As long but, uh, as, just I didn't don't tell me what it is. I didn't yeah. eat roadkill. I had, uh, I had some good shrimp, yeah. some good fish. And then uh, my grandma, Johnson, used to make incredible seafood gumbo. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I, I, I grew up in the East Coast, and not that Virginia is like the mecca of seafood, but it's at the coast. Right, it's close to the water. Moving to the Midwest, <laughs> seafood, and we got great pizza, we got like roast beef. <laughs> You don't you like know, fish, frozen fish sticks? But, but <laughs> seafood is just not a really a Midwest thing because we are landlocked, right? I, I guess we do have the Michigan, you know, Lake Michigan. ocean come on, come on. up north, yes. but it's not quite the same as seafood. No, it's true. So, it is true. Yeah. When you catch it in the morning and it's on your plate at dinner time, yeah. you know, that doesn't get any better than yeah. that. Yeah. So. So anyway, but what I heard we had uh, we had a packed house or a big yeah. crowd for Sunday. Pastor Aaron yeah. did an awesome job preaching. Yeah. So. I haven't I haven't been able to listen to the podcast yet, but if you get a chance, check it out. Yep. I'm going to listen to it this week uh, as I do. I always enjoy hearing uh, you guys share when I'm when I'm out of town. So I'll be back at the pulpit this Sunday as we continue our series on uh, the Gospel of Mark. But it's been I've been getting good feedback. People are enjoying it and we're having a good time. So uh, let's jump in uh, to where we've been this month. We've been talking a lot about resolutions and really kicking your your new year off with some fresh vision and goals, and then and then how to make sure we don't fall flat on our face. Yeah. We talked about being really intentional about wanting to make an impact with our lives, and that that's a godly thing. So I hope that you're you have a burning desire to make your life count, uh, because certainly that's the that's the starting place. Then we talked about the power of our beliefs and how our beliefs can either help serve that purpose or, or can be, can sabotage it. So make sure you're listening to yourself, listen to your self-talk, what you're saying about yourself, your abilities, who you are, your identity, your goals. Uh, all of those things are so important to get in touch with. 
And you can go back and check out some of our previous podcasts because uh, it's really been a good practical series. Last week when we were together, we talked about owning our dreams. What, what What's that all about, owning your dreams? Um, yeah. The whole idea is, you know, when you, when you dream of a crazy vision, it doesn't just come. It's not like a genie in a bottle. It just comes to pass by itself. Right. Somebody has to own it. Right? <laughs> exactly. And if you don't own it, you probably have to pay someone else a lot of money to own it for you. <laughs> Generally, that doesn't happen. So in other words, you should own, you should take responsibility for the action steps to fulfill your dream. Yeah. So we had a couple of good lines. You know, somebody should means nobody will. Yeah. Someday... <laughs> Really means no day. Well, I'm gonna give you an example. So uh, I was at greeting the doors, yeah. you know, during I don't know, whatever service, first or second service, and someone come in and said, "Hey, you know what? Like, um, um, the sidewalks is not salted. Right. Somebody should salt the sidewalks. Somebody right? should salt the sidewalk. You know, and and in my thought, I had a quick second. I was like, yeah, somebody should do it. And then I was like. Mm. That means, <laughs> that somebody means me. Where's the bucket, you know? Where's the bucket? So it's just a very practical example, right? Uh, somebody no, means. That, that's yeah. good. Because somebody <laughs> never shows up. Yep. Uh, and then I like this. Someday means no day. And sometime soon means no time fast. Yeah. So if, if sometime soon you're going to get on, get started with something, it probably means not very soon and maybe never. Sure. Um, so uh, we said be an owner of your dream, not a renter. A lot of people, it's more convenient to rent your dream than to really roll up your sleeves and put in the blood, sweat, and tears necessary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is important, too. You can, you can be um, just enthusiastic, energized, you know, jazzed about a vision that God's put in your heart. In fact, somebody's called it resolve euphoria. In other words, you, you make a resolution and you see it, it's clear in your mind, and there is a euphoria that happens when, when we get a glimpse of, of something that God's put in our heart, something we want to do, be, become, accomplish, whatever. But uh, that euphoria still is that passion. It'll, it'll move you, it'll excite you, but it's, it's still not the final answer, and we're going to talk about uh, that today. Yeah, I really think that's a great understanding resolve euphoria it's like the honeymoon period when you first start yep dating a girl or or you know you fall in love whatever right and there's actually a biochemical reasoning of that euphoria you feel for the first couple of weeks yeah but then like I, whatever the research is five or six weeks later it just kind of dies off and i think the same thing with resolve right yeah. as anybody's know if you want to if you want to have a great successful relationship it's got to last longer than five or six weeks when you as a pastor suggest that uh, you have to at least go for five or six weeks right um any successful plan is going to be more than just short term yeah. right yeah. if you want to accomplish something big it has to go long term so you have to have enough endurance to go past that biochemical high that you get euphoria yeah. you get right? and, and the passion's critical i mean you, you can't have a, you can't accomplish anything you're not passionate about right. it'll it gets you started but it won't deliver the goods it won't get you to the final destination right, right. so we're going to talk about something today about the problem of fog and um, I want you guys to imagine you got this really hot sports car. I mean, it is it is uh, zero to sixty in a split second. Uh, you want to take it out on the open road, and you want to see what this car has. Right? Uh, it's beautiful. The 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 engine under the car is so powerful. Uh, it will fly. Uh, but the problem is you get it out of the, your garage and onto your street and you're getting ready to head out to the highway and you realize that you are just surrounded with fog. In fact, it was funny. We were going to the airport 
uh, on Monday, and down there in the Gulf uh, Coast, uh, there was a dense, dense fog. I mean, you could barely see uh, off the side. There's water everywhere, but you couldn't tell it was water because the fog was so thick. Now, when you have fog and you're surrounded with fog, the problem is you're not going to be able to take that car out and hit the hit the pedal to the metal because you can't see more than a foot in front of you. And the problem with our goals is you might have this really crazy, awesome uh, vision that looks like that hot sports car, and it, it, it can go, and you can see it, but you're so surrounded with fog that it really never reaches its full potential because you're, like, creeping along. Yeah. And, and fog is a bad, bad problem. Uh, Paul wrote about fog in 1 Corinthians 14. He gave an example about a man blowing a trumpet, but the sound doesn't come out clearly. It's like a, a foggy sound. He said even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly where no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they're being called to battle? So... This is not physical fog, but this is either, uh, this is musical fog. It's, it's when you're sending out notes that aren't clear and nobody knows how to follow along. And sometimes I think our lives are the same way. When, when there's fog, we get paralyzed because we simply don't know where to go next or we're not sure what, what the, the next step is to take or whatever. And I think just to kind of put the pieces together, right? So you have this compelling passion, you know, uh, you feel like it's from the Lord. Your friends encourage you on that. Uh, you're excited at first. That happens to a lot of people. Yeah. I see that happens, yep. right? But you get that euphoria, like that excitement and euphoria. But after a while, after things get, you know, eventually the vision will get tougher and harder because you, you want to accomplish anything. It's going to be tough. Yeah. So when that euphoria passes, you can't rely on that emotion, that passion anymore. What do you have to rely on? Yep. That's when you got to rely on clarity. And when you don't have clarity, if you're in a fog, that's often when the vision dies right there. It's like uh, the book Atomic Habits, James Clear says, yep. you don't rise to the pa- level of your vision, you fall to the level of your systems yep. or your processes. And that's really the clarity that you need in the middle of, the, of, of falling, your, your, your passion is dying, waning. You, you got to look for clarity. This is the system I set up. I got to do this. I got to make sure these are the action steps. That's, That's what carries you to finish the vision. That's good. And when you don't, and when you're when you're uh, clouded with fog, there's two big problems we run into. I want to talk about those. The first one, and maybe you've experienced this. I know I have. Is, is that fog clouds your confidence when you can't see clearly. Uh, that's why you don't put the pedal down and go faster. You just don't know if there's a turn in the road, a stop sign. You don't know if someone's in front of you. We've all seen those situations where there's this massive, you know, pile up on the highway because the cars are flying down. All of a sudden, they realize, wow, there's, you know, there's a bunch of cars stopped in front of us, but you can't see them soon enough because of the fog. And the next thing you know, you're, you're rear-ending the person in front of you. And and, and I like this principle. Co- confidence is a byproduct of predictability. What, what does that mean? How, do, how does that work? How, how, does, how, how does our confidence rise with, I guess, our level of, of predictability? Well, I think there's just a level of um, predictability that gives you a level of control. It gives you a level to know that, hey, if I make this move, there is a consequence that comes from that. Like, if I work this hard, I should produce A, B, or C. Yep. And uh, I think sometimes what fog does is it gives us no confidence because you don't know if you're taking the right steps. So you can spend 
24 hours working on this whatever particular project or a particular person and it doesn't produce the desired effect that you want yeah. to. Yep. Whereas clarity tells you, here, here's the goal, here's the objective, here's a strategy to get there. I'm not saying it won't be easy to get there, it'll probably be difficult to get there, but at least I'm moving towards the right object, right? Yeah. If I want to go from here to California, I got to walk. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. Right. But, but at least there's clarity that if I keep walking this path, Right. But say, hey, we're going to go, but where are we going to go? Oh, I don't know. We're just going to go. Yeah. Well, you can, you can drive as fast as you can. You're never going to get there right. because you have no clarity of destination or the path, right? Yeah. I, I think of that 10,000-hour principle that I talked about when yeah. people practice something over and over and over again to where their, their level of practice creates a predictability, which gives them the freedom to take the, whatever the, it is to a whole other level. Like we had the divisional championships, you know, for the NFL this past weekend. So I watched some football while we were away. And uh, you watch these quarterbacks uh, almost making passes that, that, that look effortless, not realizing they've run that play. And they've worked on that timing over and over and over again. And you wonder, like, why? how did the coach call that? Man, that took a lot of confidence to call mm -hmm. that play. Well, he's seen that happen over and over again. And he, he has confidence in the line and the quarterback and the receiver. He just yeah. It's that confidence that produces a sense of predictability. Um, and I think in our own lives, whatever it is that we're doing, especially spiritually or whatever, if we're going to achieve goals, we have to practice the steps along the way that gives us the confidence that, that we can really achieve it. Um, and I, not wing it. I mean, you, you talked on the importance of confidence. I, mean, I heard a line from, I forgot, whatever. It's an NBA player basically says, we actually produce the most pressure in our practices. Uh -huh. So in the games, we don't feel any pressure because we actually make the practice harder than the real game. Wow. So that's why you don't feel the pressure. You don't get the butterflies in games because that's the easy part. Yeah. The practice, you know, Michael Jordan is famous for making – I mean, he dog is. I mean, you got to play against Michael Jordan in practice all day. You rather play in the games, yeah, right? You can't wait for the you, games. You rather have Michael Jordan on your team <laughs> and then in practice. But what that does is produce such, like you said, a level of confidence in them, right? Because yeah. they they make the practices so hard that in the real game, you're like, ah, piece of cake. Yeah, we can do this. But but that's the goal. But but that's the achievement of structuring our practices to be so severe and so demanding that when the real challenges comes, you're like, I got this. That's predictability. Yeah. Right? And when you don't have it, I think just some practical terms you know uh, if you're struggling with achieving a goal and there's a lot of fog in your life you go home what are you like when you're at home well you're usually irritable mm -hmm. you're frustrated you're edgy you're a little stressed because it because fog creates stress yeah and, um, and you just think about driving on the highway and a lot of people don't even want to go out when the roads are bad because you have to look or a bad snowstorm or something you have to focus so much on what's in front of you it's very very stressful uh, and I think a lot of people, when they try new things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether it's life group leading, you know, they've never led a life group before. People show up at their house. You're stressed out beforehand. Why? Because you've never done this before. Sure. Um, there's no predictability in the pattern yet. You don't have any sense of confidence. And so you're edgy and all that. So I love this. Clarity creates certainty and certainty leads to action. Uh, when people get clear, they get going. Mm -hmm. And uh, so think about it in our own lives, where are those areas where we're foggy? Because if you're, there's foggy, there's going to be a paralysis that happens in your life. But if you work at clarity, uh, and you talked a lot about this, even in our own ministry, uh, defining systems, 
processes. What do we do in this situation? Whose lane is this? What are those? What are the spheres of authority? Who's responsible for X, Y, and Z? Uh, what's the budget for that? When when we establish all of these parameters, then people are able to run with the vision. Yeah, now I, I found a lot of friction and conflict comes not because people are evil or bad or or they don't even like each other. A lot of times people do like each other very much. Yeah. That's not the issue. Is the lack of clarity. In other words, you know, I'm trying to drive east and you're trying to drive west. We all love each other. But we just have different lack of clarity. Yeah. I thought my mission is go left and your mission is go right. And then we're just like, wait, 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 wait. We can fight all day about what role we take. Let's talk about our destination. Oh, you guys are misaligned on this. Let's talk about where we're going together. Oh, I thought you were going to do that. I yes, thought, that's oh, what happens all the time. Yes. No, I was supposed to do that. Oh, yes. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So what happened? Nothing. And, and that or, creates or, stress. Or there's conflict because you drop, I think you dropped the ball. You think I dropped the ball. Yeah. Or we because, both think we're responsible and yeah, we're running into each other. Yeah, we're running into each other. It's so, so much of it is not taking the, the time ahead of the plan to establish clarity and establish lane to say, hey, are you clear about what your job is? Are you sure? Okay, let me send out. Another thing, just to be clear, that in the front end takes more energy and time. Yeah. But man, in the long on the long end, it, it produces so much more fruit. And when everybody is able to run after their dreams or fulfill their responsibilities, they know what's responsible, what they're responsible for. It creates incredible amount of fruitfulness. Yeah. The other thing we said was fog, fog creates a great deal of stress. Uh, this is interesting. It's been said that about eighty-five percent of the stress that we live with is due either to indecision or lack of control. Let's talk about indecision first of all. Some people live with stress because they simply keep kicking the can down the highway. They have decisions that they know they need to make, but they're painful decisions. They're unpleasant confrontations maybe that need to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, and because they don't want to face the pain or the discomfort or whatever, they just keep pushing the decision off. I think in a lot of marriages, one spouse or the other is saying, hey, honey, what are we going to do? What do you want me to do with this? Um, what's our decision here? And if a man is passive or indecisive, he's going to cause a lot of stress in his marriage because uh, the lack of clarity creates a stress in everybody in the family or in a business decision. Sometimes there's hard decisions that have to be made. Maybe it's a personnel decision. Um, if a leader is not willing to address the difficult decisions, it creates fog for the whole organization, and that fog creates a lot of stress in people's lives. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's a big one. So I want to encourage you, maybe you're stressed out now because there's decisions that you know you need to make, but you keep being indecisive. You keep, you keep procrastinating on those things. And so you live with a cloud of stress over your head. What you need to do is make a decision. Uh, prayerfully make a decision, and it might be difficult, it might be uh, uncomfortable, it might be unpleasant, it might involve relational issues, but make a decision, and once you make that decision, it's amazing how uh, the stress lifts. I just heard a podcast on this. I forgot one of the World War II generals said something along the lines of um, a better, a, a, a clear decision, a made decision is better than the best decision. In other words, sometimes yeah. we try to wait to make the best, the best timing, the best decision, but what he's saying is just making a decision, even though it might not be the best, is better than uncertainty like you talk about. Because people can unite around this clear decision that people will go towards. Because often you're not gonna arrive at the best decision. You don't even have enough uh, information to get to it. In the process of this decision, you might have to pivot and adjust yeah. to come to the best decision. Yeah. But often we'll, because we're waiting for the more information or paralysis analysis, yeah. uh, what happens is we make no decision and we end up just living in, in, in that cycle. 
that. And I, and I think you're tying into a second thing that causes stress in addition to indecision. It's this feeling of lack of control, the lack of control coming from sometimes we're going to wait for the perfect environment, the perfect timing, the perfect this, and, and but we don't control any of those things. Those are really outside of our control. We're almost waiting for the stars to quote a line yeah. before we make a decision. And really, we need to take we need to make decisions over the things we can control, not the things we can't control. You know, there are many many choices I can make that I do have control over. And I needed, like you said, make make a decision now. It might not be the greatest environment, best decision, best yeah. timing, but it is a decision, and it's going to bring some clarity. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about bringing clarity to our dreams here real quickly. Um, we have to clarify the vision. So we have to ask this, what do we want or need by when? And I think the what and the when are two clarifiers because it forces us to define what we need, mm -hmm. and then it forces us to come up with a timeline uh, at, as to when it needs to be done. Um, and this is an area we want to get into something called smarter, uh, making smarter goals. Uh, the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. There's something powerful about, first of all, writing down your goals uh, because that brings clarity in and of itself. Sometimes we can be like, ah, I'm not really sure. I think I want to do this or that. But when you have to actually write it down, I've heard this in sermon prep. That's why I'm amazed at your sermon prep. By the way, Pastor Andrew's sermon prep, phenomenal. You write things out in a manuscript form, mm -hmm. which means you, you, you're thinking through what you really want to say. Right. I write things out in an outline form, which means I have no idea. I'm you, kidding. You, you <laughs> used to write down manuscript form. As you, uh, as you grew, you're just like, ah, I don't need this stuff. <laughs> so when he preaches, clarity. When I preach, Fog. <laughs> I heard it said before, a fog in the pulpit is a mist in the pew. Yeah. So uh, if, if the pastor's not clear about what he wants to say, what's going to happen to those in the congregation? No, I'm kidding. We have different styles. Right. But, but I have heard it said that if you really want to be clear about what you want to say, write it down because it's a discipline that forces you to really think about that. And it's, it works for goals. If we'll take the time to write the vision down, you're going to have a lot better chance of succeeding yeah. and accomplishing that. Vision. I just think about any contract is not like, hey, verbal. I mean, that's a degree of a contract, but true contracts are all written down. Yeah. Why? Because whatever you said, whatever you think, it's not as clear what's said on paper. Yeah. And something there's some clear, absolute clarity that's established when you put it on paper, black and white. That's right. That's good. Yeah. So let's talk about SMARTER goals. This is an acronym, by the way, so we're going to give you some letters here to help you, but I think it's very, 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 very practical. The letter S stands for specific. Uh, a specific goal would be setting aside a specific time each week to accomplish. Like I give the example of writing a book. You might say, I want to write a book. That's a great, exciting, sexy goal. Uh, but you need to be specific. So it might be, I'm going to sit down every Friday evening from 9 to 11, and I'm going to write, and my goal is to complete one chapter per month. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a, that is a smart goal because it's specific. It, it gives you a very clear time that you've scheduled and what you're going to do, and then it gives you a deadline. Uh, so that's important. Talk a little bit about measurable. Uh, the letter M stands for measurable. Well, the issue with measurable is basically you got to the goal has to be specific enough so that you know you actually accomplished it or not. So, for example, if my goal is to get closer to God, people say that all the time. Yeah. How would you know? Just think about human delusion is uh, there's no measure to human delusional uh, of ability to delude <laughs> ourselves, right? Exactly. So, so you could have a terrible week, terrible month, 
And at the end of the day, you're like, did I get closer to God? Uh, sure. Right. You know, right. and I'm not saying that goal is a bad goal. I'm just saying, in general, that's not really measurable, right? How do you know if you actually succeed in your goal? And the purpose of making it measurable is if you did not succeed in your goal, you can improve upon it. So right. you can actually grow. You can so, be yeah. accountable to so it. So who doesn't want to get closer to the Lord in yeah. 2023? That's great. But then, so practically, if, if you were telling somebody how, yeah. how to measure this, what... In, in, the, in relationship to that goal, because yeah. I think we all would want yeah. that. What would you, what would be some examples? In your oh, I mean, depend, I mean, I just had this conversation with a young man about some of the goals he has. I said, make it measurable. So, for example, uh, that's break break into actionable steps. So, for example, like maybe you want to finish reading the New Testament this year. Well, you can easily measure that. At the end of the year... Someone's already done. They have a Bible reading plan to read the New Bible Testament in one year. You can know that whether you actually accomplish that. You can say, you know, I want to spend, you know, at least five minutes a day in, in meditation and in just prayer and just, you know, self-reflection, whatever it is. Great. It's a five-minute goal. You know you've accomplished it or not. Right. You make a marking calendar when you accomplish five minutes. If you didn't, don't mark it. Those are very measurable. Like, even like, uh, I want to have a great relationship, better relationship with my wife. Great. What does that look like? How do you make that measurable? Measure the number of date nights you guys I'm go to. do a date night once a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, so so we're, we're looking at specific behaviors or, or actions that we can build into our lives that would help us get a measure on whether or not... You want to know if you want or not. Right. It, you cannot establish a scenario in which there's no ambiguity. It's like you take a test. After you get the test, your, your, your teacher hand it back. It's like, what grade did I get? Eh, we don't really know. <laughs> well, how does that... You measure pretty anything. good. Yeah. But yeah. what's my grade? Well, we don't really know. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Third one, actionable. And you mentioned that word. It's a great word. Yeah. Um, be more, say you want to be more consistent. Here's an example with writing a blog. Mm -hmm. But that's neither measurable nor action-oriented. So we're encouraging people, begin each goal with an action verb. For instance, I will write two blog posts each week. Yeah. Uh, th those are clear action steps. You're going to not try to write more blogs. You're, you're going to. I will, and I'm going to do two a week. Well, I, I mean, I just kind of preached on this. Jesus said, whoever do, does the will of God will be my family, not whoever says whatever. Right. Right? At the end of the day, we are action-oriented. We are, Our accountability is by what we do and not what we say. That's right? good. That's so good. So, so at the end of the day, your, your goal has to revolve around not some type of feeling, but what you actually do. Right. And I think that's very, very important. No, that's really good. Which yeah. leads to the next one. I love this. It's the word R for realistic. Yeah. Um, our goals have to be doable and realistic. So give an example of that. I mean, like, like, like uh, let's just say maybe you and I wanted to make the NBA All-Star team next year. Mm -hmm. um, that's not going to be very doable or realistic because that's, yeah. just, that's just not our skill set. That's not who we are. I'm past my prime. I got no leaps. <laughs> I used to play lockdown defense. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just, there's a lot of little factors. It's just, <laughs> just how high we jump. I, I, I think realistic is important, and that requires a level of self-awareness. Yeah. Um, that requires a level of um, a feedback from your surrounding, for your friends. Yeah, so first, is, yeah. you're not being a bad friend. If somebody shares this crazy dream they have, uh, uh, and, so, and your friend says, hey, yeah. maybe start small. You know, maybe, maybe not start with that size dream you know maybe how about we start with this size dream right and, and let's do this 
And then if you do that, you'll gain confidence, and and then you'll take the next step. And right. before you know it, you can have that vision. But let's start with a doable, realistic, smaller, actionable step. And, and this part, I think, is actually kind of tough sometimes because sometimes we get in culture of like, don't dash my dreams, you know, right, don't, right. don't, 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 don't rain on my parade, rain on my parade, and all that stuff. It's like I get that too. There's people who are trying to rain on parade and whatnot. But there, this is the balancing of some people who loves you enough, and they know the context, right? If you say, I want to go to medical school, well, I actually know something about medical school. I went to grad school with a bunch of med students. I have friends who are doctors. I know something about that. I'm going to help you go through the process and say, hey, maybe your goal shouldn't be going to medical school right now. Your goal should be uh, study for the MCATs right. or, or finish college. Right. You or know? Take, take that tough biology class and see how, you, how well you exactly. do. And that's not running on parade. That's just me- helping you find measurable things because you might not even want this goal that you don't even know much about. Right. I was talking to somebody else about... Um, Starting a business, and I think there's all these right. all these uh, fantasies about being a business owner. Right. So I'm just like, let me tell you some of these other side. Do you, do you still want to do that? I'm not raining for parade. I'm just helping you count the yeah. cost. Yep. Right. Yeah. No, so. that's good because we do. We get this idealized version of whatever it means to achieve that goal, and we don't yeah. realize there's a whole lot of hard work, and maybe we don't really have an accurate picture. Yeah. Um, so start something that is more realistic, <laughs> and then we get to the letter T, which is time bound. Good goals have timelines. They come with deadlines. And we've heard it said before that a goal without a deadline is just a dream. So yeah. uh, putting uh, what I love is timelines create a sense of urgency. And, and so you might not, you know, sometimes timelines are real. Like if you don't pay the bill by such and such a date, uh, you're going to, uh, you know, be arrested. Like that's real. <laughs> that's a real sense of urgency. But sometimes we just create our own deadlines and it creates a healthy sense of, of self-imposed urgency. Right. In other words, nothing tragic or catastrophic is going to happen, but that deadline helps us. Otherwise, if we don't have a deadline, we never seem to getting around to it. Well, that's, to me, a major difference between survivors and yeah. high-capacity leaders. Survivors' timelines are dictated by the external environment. You know, They have a bill they have to pay, they have a lender they have to do, they have a project they have to finish, whereas a high-performance got all that taken care of. They don't even worry about any of those things. But they, because they want to stay hyper-capacity, high, high they want to continue to yep. grow, they want to continue to be efficient and produce, they create artificial deadline for them in their own heads. So that so they have practicing self-control to the utmost degree. They don't need external environments. They're right. going to encourage themselves to produce. That's good. That, to me, is the highest-level leader. And those folks are never usually living under the tyranny of the urgent because no. they've already created are, their they're own They're focusing important all day long. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. This one's really, really good. We only have two left here. Uh, the letter E stands for exciting. No one wants to pursue a goal or a dream it's boring, you know, because at some point you, you experience, like you said, the initial honeymoon with the vision, mm-hmm. but then you get in what's called the messy middle of the fulfillment of that dream. And the messy middle is where you kind of lose sight of why you're doing this in the first place because you just get bogged down. And it's kind of drudgery, you yeah. know? I mean, maybe you're writing a book, chapter one and two just f- was flowing off your fingertips, off your heart, you know? And then you get to the third chapter and you just hit a wall and you're like, ah, man, this is so rough. I'm slogging through here. I can't feel like I'm getting any ground. Uh, every dream has a messy metal. So how do, <laughs> how do we keep it exciting? Well, I, I think part of overcoming this is like it's experience. You really talk to somebody who's been through it. 
because every 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 goal, every endeavor has a messy middle, has a wall. I mean, when you go run a race, the runners hit a wall. You yeah. know, they get the high and they hit yep. the wall, and you have to push through the wall. But how do you overcome it better and better every time? You've been through it. Next time you remember, oh, last time I hit a wall this time, and I overcame it, so I'm going to overcome it this yep. time too. You know, so experience, talking to a people who's gone ahead of you to, yep. to encourage you and counsel in this time and says, hey, you expect it when it comes. You're yep. not surprised by it, right? And sometimes it's just kind of recapturing that original vision, you know, taking the time to pause, set your sight on that vision, why it so excited you, uh, and uh, and getting your, your passion level back in. So, so, so important. And then lastly, the final letter is the letter R, which stands for relevant. Uh, our dreams, our visions should be appropriate for the season that we're in. Now, I'll give you an example here. When Marion and I were younger, we had a couple kids. Uh, I was a youth pastor. We loved going on the mission field for two weeks, even a month at a time. We took our kids with us. It was amazing. I think Lauren and Ronnie, our two oldest, could tell you that those those trips changed their life. As we as we got older, we started having more children. So to go on an admission field with two kids was expensive enough and challenging enough to go with four was crazy. And when we had eight, we realized, you know what, this is probably not the season of life to take our children, all of our children, on the mission field. Uh, we're going to probably have to come up with a more appropriate, a more relevant expression of the dream for the season that we're in. Uh, Marion was a worship uh, a member of our worship team for many, many years, and she has a great voice, and she loves to worship. Um, but as our children, our family grew, we realized that our focus really needed to be on the home front. And so we made some adjustments. She, made, she, made, she was willing at that time to step down from the worship team and to begin putting her focus on our family and on, on our children. In other words, I think our dreams in life, we need to make sure that they're, they're relevant to the season. You know, we go through different seasons. We're in winter right now. Lean into it. Enjoy it. Uh, there's appropriate expressions for winter. And then guess what? Spring's coming. And then sp spring is different. And then summer and then fall. I mean, that, I think that's the point of seasons is we need to recognize the season that we're in and make our, our goals and our dreams adapt accordingly to the, to the season that we're in so that it's relevant and it yeah. makes sense to the, to the time. You know, we're, we've told people before, like leading life groups, all right, hey, you're having a, a brand new baby. Um, maybe this next semester is not a good season for you guys to be leading a life group. That's okay. Your, your beautiful son or daughter is going to grow up, and you'll come into a different season, and yeah. you can always come back and revisit it. Uh, but anyway, I think that's important, uh, appropriate dreams for the season that you're in. Now, let me end with this. I just had a great quote um, talking about the plower of uh, the plower, the power of plotting. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> Say that yeah. 10 times quick. The power of plotting. This is kind of like the picture between the, the, the tortoise and the hare, yeah. right? Um, Paul reminds us of how important it is to press on. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We could probably interpret that as I keep plodding forward. Moving ahead with the vision. Sometimes plotting just feels like you're not going at the pace you like. You're just putting one foot in front of the other. But there is a beautiful uh, redemptive quality to being a plotter. And I want to read a great, great uh, paragraph here by John Bloom. He says, today's going to be a challenge. We talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Mm -hmm. You will not make perfect plans. You will not work your plans perfectly. You'll find a bog of ambiguity that you'll need to step through carefully. There will be detours and delays. There will be equipment failures. 
You will spin your wheels. There will be unexpected phone calls and undesired emails. Social media will keep poking you for attention. Your indwelling sin and others' indwelling sin will throw curveballs at you. There will be some swings and misses. Your creativity won't flow like you want it to when you want to. Uh, When you actually get to the project that you scheduled time for at the time you scheduled it for, you won't feel like doing it. So what will you do when faced with these challenges? He says, plot on. Purpose to be a plotter. A plotter keeps moving. A plotter perseveres. A plotter presses on. A plotter knows the disappointment of unrealized ideals, feels the fear of failure and exposed deficiencies, and the ambiguity of too many demands and options and tasks. But a plotter isn't immobilized by them. He or she presses on in the faith that God will supply the needed strength, wisdom, and direction. Man, I love that because that's just that we could have the most perfectly planned smart goals and still just deal with a lack of passion, enthusiasm, willpower, struggles, unexpected. You know, you can lay your plan out, but we live in a broken world. I mean, uh, emergencies happen, unexpected things happen. And I think what separates the men from the boys, so to speak, is if you set your eye on the goal and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, you're going to be successful in life. You're going to achieve the things that God's put in your heart. If you quit and you give up, and you throw in the towel somewhere along the way, whether it's with your faith or whether it's with your goals, you're going to disqualify yourself. And, and that's actually a, a, a deeper truth that the older I get, the more I'm seeing, it becomes truer and truer. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I thought it's all about talent. I thought it was about who's smarter, you yeah. know, who gets it more quickly. And But that burns out. It's literally like the hair you talk about. Um, but the older I get, and I see the truly successful art, I'm, I'm telling literally not the most talented. It's not about the the quick speed. It's about those who have a passion in the heart, but this passion, they do not let it wing, and they just keep plodding on, plodding on, plodding. I see that in medical school. I see a doc, people become great doctors, not because they got the best MCAT score, because they went to the best schools, but because they said, I'm passionate, I'm called to do this. Against all odds, I'm going to keep plodding on. I see as pastors, I see uh, a statesman. I see that over and over again. So I was going to talk about, especially in ministry, you know, how many people did you see when they were young? Uh, they're incredible communicators. Uh, you know, they had it, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. The church exploded, uh, preaching to thousands, uh, big, big budget, and then they're gone. I mean, they're like irrelevant. They're, they at some point they compromised. They got sh- they, they they got the fog in their life. It, it, it disqualified them, and that you know, my dad used to call them shooting stars. You know. Mm-hmm. They look great. Boom! Big explosion, and then where'd they go? Um, and sometimes it truly is. It's the last person standing. It's the person who's continued to be faithful over the years, who when they're in their later seasons of life, they're the expert at whatever it is, or they're the, the respected leader in that field. Again, not because they were the best, the brightest, most talented, whatever, but because they plotted. They never stopped growing. They yeah. kept putting in that... 10,000 hours, you know, they just accumulate over and over and over again. Yeah, so. and, and they've all been through the failures, which I think is important. So, yeah. you know, they, but they didn't let the failures disqualify them. They just yeah. got up and they learned from it and they kept moving forward. So yeah. I hope this was a great series for you guys just to kick off the year as it relates to really getting traction and, and moving toward uh, 
the purposes that God's placed in your heart, dreams, visions, being a better version of you, more Christ-like, better father, better husband, better wife. Can uh, I put a quick yeah. plug for Market Shares coming Saturday? Oh, come on. Come yeah, on. we're talking about, <laughs> it's interesting, this is a leadership quality that most people don't think about. But but you know, according to Craig Rochelle and Patrick Lencioni in the podcast they did together, which I highly recommend listening to, a newer one they just came out with. And to me, those are the two premier uh, leadership Voices, yeah. te- teachers. In, in the, I mean, it's just amazing. The highest quality they look for is self-awareness. Because if you have self-awareness, then you will put all the right pieces around you. You know, Craig Rochelle himself said, people ask me, uh, what what's the personality gifting type you want for a my campus pastor? Because they have a very successful campus, 44 campus or something like that. Wow. And and he's like, it's none of those things. We're not looking for the type A. We're not looking for this type or this person or this gifting. We're looking for someone. It can be anything as long as they have self-awareness because they will put the right pieces. Or they know where they're strong and where they're weak. So we're going to talk about how do you develop. So here's the thing about self-awareness. No one really trains in self-awareness. I was never trained in self-awareness. Right. I didn't even went to school in self-awareness. So we're talking about class. blind spots. We're talking about somebody who has an overinflated view of their strengths or a blind spot to their weaknesses. Or or um, they blind spot to their strengths. Right. Because you don't too. want to under under evaluate your strength either because yeah. that's not good either. So yep. it's just that level of self-awareness we need to develop and cultivate as a one of the most important factors of, of being a great leader. Again, something we don't think about much. I thought so, it was really so that's important. this Saturday, this Saturday at eight o'clock eight o'clock at Livingstones. Yeah, Livingstones. Uh, and do you need to register for that? Yeah, go on our website, lstones.org and uh, register so we know how much food we have breakfast. Uh, at Cafe Ethne, so they're going to be serving coffee and all mm-hmm. these things so for free. So please come on out. That's good. So a lot of practical things to get rid of the fog in your life, build confidence, and get you moving toward uh, God's purpose for your life. Hope this has been helpful. We'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Spread it far and wide. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you.